Hey everyone, Justin here. By everyone, I mean, well, six of you. What you're about to listen to is the pilot episode, the very first recording of the Footnotes podcast between me and Rusty. Now, one of the things we learned while recording is that we should probably explain the podcast. Footnotes is the biblical podcast where we will expositionally go through a passage of scripture. This week is Colossians 4, 2 through 6. We hope you like it. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us, that God may open to us a door for the word. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the to word. To declare the mystery of Christ. To declare the mystery of Christ. On account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You read that a lot lot slower than I did. That was good. Welcome to our podcast. This is Rusty and Justin and you're listening to Footnotes. Justin, are you are you much of a prayer? Are you the praying type? Uh, I pray. I pray some. Yeah, I don't think I pray as much as I ought to. Right. Like, so you don't you don't pray without ceasing. I mean, I do. You never stop. I just, I just try and live. I try and live out the Bible, Justin. I don't pray without ceasing, but I continue steadfastly. Right. Isn't it funny that pray without ceasing caught on, but no one says continue steadfastly in prayer? It's just as biblical, right? Well, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I don't actually know maybe what steadfast means. Steadfastly. Steadfastly. It could be a, a really rich young man's name, steadfastly, come here. Come here, steadfastly. Name your next child steadfastly. Right, or ceasing doesn't roll off. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we should actually jump into the passage and actually find out. Yeah, here, let me let me read verse two. This is Colossians 4, 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So being watchful in it, um, I think Jesus, you know, told his disciples to watch and pray. You think about Jesus, I mean, gosh, he, they, he just never let down, right? I mean, I think about one story where he's exhausted. They talk about the disciples have been just nonstop. And then they arrive to this location where they're going to take a boat and go get away from everybody. And they just see a large crowd and Jesus has compassion on them, right? He's, he's always aware, always alert for opportunities. And so he therefore uh, sees it and moves on. Yeah. It. Well, in, in so it's Mark 14, 38, where Jesus says, at least at one time where he says, watch and pray, right? And this is when his disciples were in Gethsemane. Gethsemane? Geth, Geth, Gethsemane. His disciples Gethsemane. and him were in the garden, and he said, watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation, right? And so it was right. a very purposeful yeah. watchfulness, really guarding yourself. And so when Paul says, you know, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it, I mean, it's not just like... I mean, the watchfulness has a point is what I'm, what I'm getting at. Right. Like an intentionality. Like you, you have to be purposeful. Yeah. And guarding like be, a, like a watchman on a tower, right? This is, this yeah, is first yeah, century. Yeah. So they had watchmen who hung out on their city, on their city walls. Okay. So now this is interesting. So I, when I think, when I hear you say, continue steadfastly uh, and be watchful in it, I'm thinking of a watchman. Um, I don't think about that 
as a thank thankful situation, right? Like I don't see Watchmen with Thanksgiving <laughs> upon the wall, right? I, I just I get the watchfulness and the intentionalness. I'm just trying to think what does it look like for us to be watchful with Thanksgiving, or what do you think Paul means by yeah, that? Yeah, Thanksgiving prevents you from just selfishness in prayer, doesn't it? So if you're thankful in your prayers, then you're approaching prayer with the right attitude of gratitude. Whereas if you're just praying all the time, you might, without Thanksgiving, you get into that selfish rhythm of, I want this, or bless me here, or health, or, you know, whatever. I think that's a natural thing to slip into, at least at least for me. Gosh, without Thanksgiving, it's obligation, right? And when have you ever done something out of just rote obligation? It is not, uh, well, it's easy to fall down. And if job. you're on a wall, uh, versus- you really don't want to fall down. Oh gosh, dead man, dead man, right, right there, you know. And so, so you don't, you definitely don't want to do that. But um, gratitude is always more motivating, right? It always, it's, it always drives you farther. A heart of gratitude will drive you farther than a heart of obligation or just doing something out of duty. And so, yeah. And I think James pulls in a similar idea. You know, he's in James four. He's talking about you know things that we want in verse two of. Chapter four, you desire, you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly and spend it on your passions. You know, Paul is kind of getting at the same thing. It's, there's a wrong way to ask God for things. And the right way is, is thanksgiving and understanding all the blessings and the gratitude that God gave. And I was thinking about this too, right at the beginning of Colossians, he opens up the book talking about, I mean, Paul isn't just uh, telling them to pray. It's, it's kind of like an overflow of his heart. He's actually living out what he's telling them to do in this passage. It's pretty neat uh, where it says in, uh, in verse three, chapter one, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Uh, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. So he's talking about the gospel uh, being the thing that's driving uh, all of their hope and that they've been praying for them ever since Paul and I guess his his buddies that he shared Christ with in prison. Um, you know, he's been praying for them ever since. And then in verse 9 it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and in increasing in the knowledge of God. And so I, I think that's pretty neat that he starts off this book with prayer, how he's been praying for the Colossians, and then he, he's wrapping it up by now encouraging them to do the same. He goes on, at the same time, this is verse 3, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, verse 4, which is how yeah. I ought to speak. And this, this, I mean, Paul's in, right. Paul's in prison, it is, right? It's a little, it's a little <laughs> mind-blowing to me. This is like, in parentheses, yeah, him saying, yeah, imagine someone who went to prison for selling drugs and then being like, gosh, sure hope I get the opportunity to sell more drugs while I'm in prison. Well, what, what this, what blows me away about this passage, I mean, you can just kind of imagine Paul in prison with his little, I don't know if he's got like a guard watching over him or, you know, I'm sure he's made some relationships with the guards that keep his detail, but 
him just having this profound impact on the kind of person he is and the guards like, gosh, Paul, I just, why are you in prison again? I really like it. You seem like this great guy. I don't get why. He's like, well, why are you in prison again, Paul? And Paul's like, well, for telling people about Jesus. Have you ever heard of him? And then the guard's like, no. He's like, oh, well, let me tell you about him, right? I mean, <laughs> that seems like, it's just the most counter thing to ask for, but it seems to be just apparent how sold out Paul is for Jesus. I, I found this during some extra research. When Paul mentions that he's in prison, uh, this is actually a big key to understanding when the book was written. Dating is always, you know, kind of up in the air. But the idea is that Colossians was written in AD 60 when Paul was in prison for the first time. This is not something I knew that Paul was in prison twice in Rome. So he was in, he was basically under house arrest for two years. And that's when he wrote Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians. And most people even think Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians. No, I'm sorry. Philemon, Colossians, and Ephesians were written in the same year, which I think is why Ephesians and Colossians are so similar. In verse 5, Paul says, walk in wisdom. And in Ephesians 5, he says, be careful how you walk, you know, not as the unwise, but as wise. If you look here in, in these two verses, so Paul says, pray also for us. And then he lists two things to pray for. Open to us a door and that Paul can make it clear. So he, he's asking them to pray for opportunity and then for, I guess, like in that moment when you're executing on the opportunity, you're saying, pray that it's clear. And I, I like that he, he includes both. He doesn't just say, God opens the door and then I walk through it. He's like, pray that God opens the door and then pray that as I humbly walk through it, I don't trip and fall on my face. I think in other places he says, pray that I may speak boldly. Like Paul's, we get this idea that Paul is super evangelist, but in all these prayers, he's saying, yeah, pray that I just don't mess it up. I like that. You know, of all places you might cut Paul some slack, it would be in prison for sharing the gospel, um, which is what got him there in the first place to potentially hold back. And um, just the fact that he even desires it, you know, like I, I have to work on the desire to desire it. Whereas he, he knows he wants to do this. He knows he ought to do this, but man, just to have people pray for his, his boldness and his confidence to speak clearly. So in verse 5, we see Paul now kind of transition. Uh, again, it's, it's pretty neat in these verses where he's living out his faith, and then he turns around in the same moment as he's living it out and in challenging or encouraging the Colossians to do the same. So he says, verse 5, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so I think this is really interesting, making the best use of the time, um, talking about walking in wisdom towards outsiders. Of, of all times that we could cut cut Paul some slack, give him some grace, and, um, and, and him feeling maybe not useful for the kingdom would be in prison. I mean, how limited he could be, but yet he is sitting there praying for, for opportunities to share the gospel, to make the best use of his time while he's restricted or in prison and then to turn around and ask others to do the same well well then you feel kind of sheepish right <laughs> like i don't know paul i just i don't know if i have the time to do this i've got 
got some sheep to shear and I really need to go, you know, sharpen my leather leather belt. Right, because that, that's, that's what everyone did in the first century. <laughs> they just sharpened yeah, their leather I don't know. Leather I don't really belt. know what that is. I couldn't think of too many <laughs> examples of what they did back then. <laughs> but I thought of somebody, you know, running a piece of metal up and down a leather something. I think at that point they're trying to sharpen the... I, like the sword or whatever. Right, yeah, sure well, I mean, belt. it would be nice to have a, a, a belt weapon. It, you know, be handy if 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 it was sharp enough to do that. There you go. Yeah. Let me ask you this question. You you made you made the point that Paul's like urging while in prison, like make the best use of your time. Do you think he would say, "I wish I were out of prison so I could make better use of my time"? Like, is that what you think um, Paul is saying here? God. I, well, so Paul is the king of uh, just kind of embracing his circumstances, right? And so he talks about the thorn in his flesh uh, that he asked God to take away. And um, and Jesus says, well, my grace is sufficient for you. And so then he says, well, then I, now I, I glorify God in my weakness uh, because for when I'm weak, then I'm strong because I'm depending on Jesus. And so, gosh, it's hard to know if I mean, it seems like Paul just embraces each situation that God puts him in and tries to make the most of it for the kingdom, right? And so I, th- I think he's doing the same. He's just telling the Colossians to do the same. Paul is like the criminal mastermind who's still running his operations while in prison, right? Because he's in prison and yet he's seeing these people. He's sending letters to the Ephesians and he's sending them to the Colossians and you know, there's that other part where people are saying, hey, people are ripping you, Paul, you know, while they're sharing the gospel. And Paul's like, hey, if Christ is being preached, then, you know, whether selfish ambitions or, or not, you know, he's saying, while I'm in prison, I'm still making the best use of my time. I'm Well, I mean, so you could say he's like the original godfather, appropriately named, right? I mean, I say that often. Yeah. The argument can be made that God put him in prison just so he would have to take the time to write this down so that generation upon generation to come could experience what Paul was talking about in the ministry he was trying to do. So some of his most successful ministry might have come out of prison in the letters that he wrote to other people. Yeah, I mean, while in prison, let's see, he wrote he wrote Colossians in prison. He wrote Philemon, Ephesians, Philippians. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's a big chunk there. Verse six says, let your speech always be gracious, right? I, I, I highlighted gracious because I think that's, that's a word that we don't use very often with speech, right? Seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person for, for somebody in prison. Gosh, it would be real easy to be Eeyore, right? I mean, look at me in my circumstances. I can't do anything, right? I mean, it, it would be so easy just to be completely overcome and just um, and just give in to being useless and and self-pity and all that. Um, and so for him, it's kind of, again, in line in line with this passage for him to be saying, always let your speech be gracious. Um, it, it's just it is a powerful motivator for those of us that aren't in prison. Right. To to me to say, oh, wow. Uh, well, if Paul is saying, let your speech be gracious, which, again, he's living this out. He's making the best use of his time by writing letters to the people he cares about since he can't be there in person. And at the same time, um, he's going to make the best use of his time by letting his speech be gracious to everyone around him. Because it's, 
if you think about it, that's one of the best ways to have opportunities on which to you know share Christ with others, uh, to make it clear. I think you hit it there because in verse five, he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. And then at the end of six, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You don't really have to answer insiders. I mean, you do, but it's not, it's not in the context that he's talking about. Right. And so he's, he's saying, especially when you're talking with people who don't know Christ yet, be gracious with them. Season your words with salt, which is what Jesus said, right? You are the salt yeah. of the earth. And so, so let me ask you this. On, on verse 6, so it says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Um, and so I know there's all sorts of various styles of evangelism, right? And I think they all kind of have their place depending on what situation you're in. Would you could, could you make an argument that this would imply that the person – needs to show some interest before you um, before you uh, answer them, right? I mean, so does this imply that so that you may know how you ought to answer each person? So like the outsider needs to ask a question. Or at least be interested in dialogue versus uh, running down the street chasing after them with a Bible tract <laughs> or yelling, where, where are you going to go when you die? I mean, that doesn't sound super gracious. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying there isn't a, a time and a purpose for street evangelism, but even in that, I mean, this principle, I think, is crystal clear of being gracious, seasoned with salt, talking in a way so that people would be interested to draw people's interest in rather than just uh, badger them, maybe with questions. Can we, pull, can we pull that out of this? Can we? So I think, I think Paul would say, make the best use of your time. So I don't think he's just saying, you know, wait till someone approaches you so right. you can answer so could them. you tie this back into the beginning where he's, he's saying not only should you pray for opportunities for paul but pray for opportunities for yourself that god would give you the opportunity to to speak graciously seasoned with salt um so that you can make it clear on how you ought to answer each person about about jesus would you could you could you tie that in yeah okay. i think i think that's perfect sweet well that's all we got so thanks for listening Nope, that's bad. <laughs> I don't know how to end it. I think we should just end it like that. Boom. That that exact 10 second, last 10 seconds. Uh, <laughs> actually, I don't know how to end this. So let's just, we're all done. <laughs>